0: Looking at verses 26 to 28, so uh, Pastor EJ mentioned. Thank you to those who worked so diligently to get things ready for uh, for the egg hunt yesterday, and good crowds. Uh, had several opportunities to to speak with uh, children and adults regarding the gospel, and uh, many invitations and tracts handed out. So praise the Lord for that. And so thank you for those who are involved, but then also those who have been preparing for our Holiday Bible Club. As you can see, a lot of work has been put in already. If you walked around in different classrooms, there's already decorations up. But then many people preparing to teach and preparing to be a help and an influence in the lives of the the children that will be here this week. So indeed, I'd appreciate your your prayers. And you know, as a church, we work together in this thing, whether you're here or not. And so I hope that you can please pray um, that we would have just a tremendous week that children will get saved and then um, children make a decision for the Lord. Um, we're going to look at verses 26 to 28. Um, but You know, as we head into this, uh, this week, I wanted to ch- challenge you a little bit about setting up children for fulfillment. And you know, I think we all understand just the great joy it is for us to, uh, to be able to have in our church uh, families that have children. And it's not, always, um, it's not always the case where uh, churches and, and different, different institutions around the world um, have children, but we, we have them. And we're grateful for that, right, church? Yeah. Grateful that we can see some young ones running around. And, but if you think about it, um, possibly one of the most intimidating people on this earth are, are these children. They can be pretty intimidating. They're, they're in every society in the world, these children, and they're... If you've ever spent uh, an, an amount of time with kids, you know that that's a lot of hard work, right? Uh, for, for you mums who, who stay home and you're working with those children every day, that's a, a lot of hard work. And um, I'm sure if you were to speak with the Gears who are, um, again, helping lead the, the week, we appreciate them, uh, they're going to say speak to you about the joy it is to work with children, but they are, they are, they are intimidating at times. And, you know, I, I know I have three children as well, and so they can be intimidating for a few different reasons. I'll give you a, cu- a couple as we introduce this thought. You know, children will tell you the truth, won't they? They will just tell you the truth. Uh, this week, we were down to one vehicle, and so I was doing some of the school runs, and one of the, one of the mornings I had taken the children, we were heading over to, uh, to school, and my kids looked on the left and there was a guy who was, uh, he had a tank top on and he was working out, you know, he was working out, working up a sweat. And Malachi asked me, hey, dad, is that, is that the teacher of those children? Because right behind him was a bunch of children that were just walking to school. And I said, um, he said this, he said, hey, it, was that muscly man, was that muscly man, uh, the teacher for those children? And I said, nah, son, probably not, and, and he's not really that musly. You know, he's a little chubby, you know, I was telling him. And then he goes, he looks at me, he said, Dad, you're chubbier than that man. And <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you. And he was probably right, okay? As I look back in my rear view, and he was probably right. And children can just tell you the truth, right? This in their innocence, um, they just tell you the truth. And that's pretty intimidating. You know, if um, you're, you're running a, a children's thing and it's not fun, Boy, will they tell you. (laughs) If they're not enjoying themselves, man, they'll just straight up tell you. And they're pretty intimidating that way. You know, um, children are pretty intimidating because they really test your patience. And I I don't know if you've ever been in a car ride with children and they're asking, are you there yet? All right, it just seems like they'll never run out. And, you know, uh, my son, Jaden, he's in this stage now where he just repeats the same joke over and over again. Now, you can only laugh so much, right? But he's in that stage. And, and children can be pretty intimidating that way. They can also uh, be pretty inti- intimidating because they'll, they'll somehow make you question what you really know. You, you ever just uh, had an encounter with your kids, maybe you just told them something? You know how children can be? They can be sometimes selective in their hearing. Well, actually, we're all like that sometimes. But, um, you know, they can be pretty selective and... And, you know, you're going through and you just say, you'll tell them, I just told you that. And they go, did you? What? Did, what? And they, they look so confused. And you're then eventually after you're going through this about 10, 15 minutes, you start to question whether you actually said what you said. But children can be pretty intimidating that way. And But, you know, I think for us as, as Christians and as parents, I think one of the most intimidating things about having children is the fact that really we have a great responsibility to lead them to a life that is fulfilled in the will of God. Uh, we have a great responsibility. And, you know, anyone can have children, but it takes, takes, uh, takes those that are living right to be a parent, a mother and a father. It, it, takes, it takes us being, uh, being on the same page with God regarding that. And, you know, children have potential. One of the great things that I often think about is, you know, we never know. We just never know who's in that room of children. Uh, All of you here were children once. Some of the kids were like, really? No, it's true. Your parents, your grandparents, they were children once. And and they didn't know uh, at that point when they were your age what potential they had. But as we look back now as adults, we look at our children, and they have great potential, don't they? We don't know. We don't know in the, in the room amongst uh, the classes this week and even in this auditorium during the preaching time, we don't know who's going to be in that room, and, and God might have called them to be the next pastor of this church. God might have called uh, one of those young ladies to be a future Sunday school teacher. God might have called uh, even one of those uh, children to be who knows, uh, someone in high office one day. You just don't know that. But the thing with potential is this. Potential has to be met. It has to be fulfilled. And you understand it, parents. Children are intimidating that way because really, especially us, we have a great responsibility, don't we? To be able to nurture them and help them to fulfill their uh, their calling, to fulfill their potential. And And we have a story here about a lady named Hannah, uh, who at the beginning of the chapter, who didn't have a child, but desperately wanted one. And so she prayed. She, she asked the Lord, and, and God hears her prayer and gives her a boy whom she named Samuel. And, uh, and what a joy and thrill that must be for her and her husband. And this makes our, our text verses the more really extraordinary, if you think about it. This was the child that she had asked for from the Lord. And Notice what the Bible says. Look at verse 26 with me. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. And she's recounting to, the, to Eli, the high priest, that, that uh, she was that lady, had come years before um, regarding her request for a child. And she's saying, I am that woman. I am the woman that stood by thee here praying. Then notice verse 27. For this child I prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Notice the, the the events that are happening here in the life of Hannah, her husband Elkanah, and then also their son Samuel. She had just requested. She had just in in, in great despair and desperation prayed to God for a child, and, and God in His goodness, and God in His sovereignty allowed that in her life, gave her a child, and that, then some years later here, here they were giving up their child to be used for service in the temple of God. And, and that's why it makes this uh, extraordinary. But there were some things here that, that I think Hannah understood. Uh, when we read later on, if you ever took the time to read through the rest of 1 Samuel, What we know about Samuel is that he becomes a mighty prophet. He he was instrumental in bringing the nation out of spiritual uh, declension and transitioning the nation into a monarchy. And and so God sent him uh, also to anoint Saul and to David to the throne of Israel. And the Bible says about Samuel that none of his words, none of his words fell to the ground, meaning this: everything that he declared came to be. And so we can look at Samuel and go, whoa. What a life. What a man of God. What a person that God uh, really used. But what we kind of forget, though, is his journey started with a mother mother who did right by him and set him up to fulfill the calling of God upon his life. And today, uh, we will examine here in, in this passage of Scripture Hannah's story and see if we can learn some lessons as parents lessons as families, and the lessons as a church in setting up our children for a life of fulfillment. And, and this morning, I, I want to say as we head into our holiday Bible club that, that we have an opportunity this week to help with that. You know, we can, we can have everyone here today that is going to be helping through the week stand up and, and, and they'll come for two days, three days, maybe the whole week, five days. And, and they can have that time with your children those few hours each day. But in the end, inevitably, as a group as, of believers, as a church, we have the responsibility, but more so as the parents of those children. And I want to challenge you, and, and maybe you're here this morning and you've got children that are grown, then can I encourage you this morning to be an encouragement to those parents who have young children? Maybe um, you would pray with them. Maybe you would pray for them. But every child... We understand is precious in the sight of God, and I'm going to say some things here to uh, mainly to the parents. But understand this: that every child still will have to make a choice. We understand that whilst these things that we talk about, which really are are quite basic as far as we know in the Christian in the Christian life, whilst we discuss these things, we understand that children still have to make a choice one day. Right? This doesn't guarantee that that they will fulfill their their uh, their um, their potential, but What we do know is this, if we would do these things, we would put them in good stead. We would help them get on the right path. And Samuel still had to make a choice when, uh, we know later on in in chapter 3, where he heard the Lord's voice, right? And he said, and he responded, but we as parents, we can help toward a life of fulfillment when we do these things for our children. So let's pray, we'll ask the Lord to bless our time, and then I'm going to give you just three things this morning to help us out as we... I uh, head into this week. Father God, we just want to love you and thank you Lord God for Lord just allowing us for the the opportunity to open your word once again. I thank you Lord for every uh, child here, every parent here, dear God, who uh, Lord is doing all they can, Lord God, to be able to um, to to direct and help these children. Uh, Lord for the uh, for their future, Lord to uh, Lord to be bright, dear God, and and so we come before you this morning and ask that you would help us Lord to Listen in this morning and, and help us, Lord, to instill these things in our lives. And then, Father, as we think about it, we pray for our children. We pray, dear God, that you would please stir their hearts. Pray, I pray, dear Lord, that, uh, Lord, they would hear your voice. That, dear God, if, if at the young age, Lord, that they would, uh, Lord, realize their need of you as their Savior. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would help us this morning as we, Lord, just look into your Word. I pray that your Word will, will germinate in our hearts and, and cause there to be application, dear God. And then I pray that you would just do a work in us in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so as we we observe uh, this, uh, this time in the life of this family, uh, I want to just say that this morning, um, you know, these things that we're going to discuss really should be after salvation. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. Uh, maybe you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that that day would be today. And, and then as we think about this, then, Uh, that 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 will affect our families. But notice the first thing as we think about uh, leading and and setting up our children for a life of fulfillment, a life where they can fulfill their potential. We see firstly in Hannah's life the thing of prayer. And again, this morning, nothing too profound, nothing really that we've never heard before, just some basic things, some simple things that probably for all of us here, we just need reminder about. And, And really the first thing is prayer, prayer. Notice in verse 26, she says here, um, as she was recounting this again to Eli, she said, As thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman. And then notice there, she's the one there praying unto the Lord. She was the one praying. Uh, Again, in verse 27, as she she looked at Samuel and, and pointed to him, she says this, For this child I prayed. And so firstly, I want to remind everyone here this morning the importance of prayer. You know, if we're going to raise our children to, to truly fulfill their potential, uh, we as a church, but we as, as families and we as parents, we ought to be people of prayer. We ought to pray. Uh, there, there's a story about a uh, uh, Dr. Richard Halverson, who was a U.S. Senate uh, chaplain at one point, and he spoke before a group of, uh, of believers who had expressed their anger about Congress's inactivity on the subject of school prayer. They were irritated that Congress had not acted with a strong initiative to restore prayer in schools. To these who were seeking greater initiative from the government, Dr. Halverson asked, how many of you have prayed with your children this month outside of church? Nobody raised their hand. You see, spiritual initiative starts in the home, not in the halls of politics. And we could have prayer in every other institution, in every, every, every other part of our lives. But if we won't model that in our home, th- then really those things that won't be reinforced so, uh, so well. And, and one of the great boosts we can give our children and get them on their way to a life fulfilled is if we would just be people of prayer. If we would just take the time as parents and we would take the time as a church to often pray for uh, often pray in general, but to pray for our children. And, and I want to say that that many of us who uh, have reached a certain stage of our lives and we have families of our own, I want to say that many of us owe a great debt to praying parents. Many of us would, would recount uh, some of those times where our parents prayed for us and they had a reality of prayer. And maybe you're here this morning, and that wasn't the case for you. Can I just say that if you've got your own family, I hope, with all of the uh, all of the, the the desire of my being, that you would be a person of prayer, that that you would change your mind in regard to this very thing, very needful thing of prayer. And and we see that firstly, Hannah was a person of prayer. She said, "I am the woman." She didn't re. Uh, she didn't. Re, she didn't rely on others to be praying for this need or for that need. No, she was a person who prayed herself. She was a person who was passionate to pray for the needs that she had. And listen, so many times uh, aren't we guilty of uh, asking for others to pray for us, but then we neglect the very thing that we ask others to pray for. We come up to a on a Wednesday night perhaps. we, We might email in a request, but I wonder if we did take the time that week to actually commune with our God, and to actually request of Him ourselves that matter that we needed resolving, that thing that we so desired to have. I wonder if we take the time. See, Hannah, when she understood it, she said she was the woman of prayer. She was the one. She she went to the throne of heaven making requests on her own, and, and too many times we just want everyone else to pray, but we won't take the time. And I wonder if we're people of prayer. See, she was a person of passionate prayer for need, but she was also a woman whose emptiness was met by a plea of the, uh, by the Lord. A plea to the Lord. And, and you know, in her emptiness and in her, in her neediness, she was able to come. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we neglect to see the blessing of emptiness. You know, sometimes because our lives can be so filled with all of what we have desired, you know what the, the, the danger of that is? We neglect to actually pray. Uh, you know, one of the great habits that we can, uh, we can show our children is just praying for the food, right? It's pretty simple. You know, sometimes, well, sometimes we get uh, into, a, uh, into a, uh, just a habit of just, you know, taking the food, but remember who provided in the first place remember who we ought to be thankful to. And and yes, we want our children to be thankful to mom who cooked it and, and say, thanks for the food. But listen, a dad, listen, mom, are you leading in that? Are they seeing true gratitude as you sit there and understand that even that simple meal was provided by you, the Lord, your God? And sometimes we can become mechanical. You know, one of the great joys I've had over the years and and um, uh, parenting is just to see our children pray at the table. And, and I love it. Like, once in a while, we'll have one of them pray. And, and you know, now Jaden's starting to really learn how to pray. And I just love the fact that, you know, he would pray. He's, he, he is the one that prays the longest in our family. He just prays, you know, he'll pray for, he'll pray for the food, but then he'll pray for me. Then he'll pray for mommy. Then he'll pray for Vicky. He'll pray for Malachi, because he can't say Malachi. And then he'll pray for a dog. Then he'll pray for this and that. He'll pray for the church. And then on and on he'll go. And then finally he'll repeat it. Pray for the food. In Jesus' name, amen. But, you know, um, it wasn't something that we, he could not have learned that without any kind of modeling, any kind of seeing A kind of example, and and I want to implore you who are parents, especially here this morning, I hope that you are a person of prayer. I hope that 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 is an outward uh, thing in your family. It's not just done in secret, although that's important. But she was also a woman who prayed for her child. And, And notice here that she prayed for a child when she didn't have one. And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I don't have my own child. Maybe that's something you're desiring. Uh, and, and maybe you're, that's something that you're planning, and maybe some of you who are newly married and you're, you're praying for a child, listen, it's a good thing to pray for your child before they're even born. Just pray. And pray. Uh, Hannah prayed in, in desire of a child, but I think she also said this, for this child I prayed, she also didn't mean that in past tense. She also meant that in present tense. She prayed in the moment. And who knows here today that if you're a parent, there's probably more and more things to pray for each and every day, right? They're, they're going through, and especially in this time of life, uh, this time of our history where there's great dangers spiritually, where there's great influences that can lead a child wrong, we need to put a hedge about them, and it needs to be one of prayer. And we need to be the kind of people that have that attitude that we will, we will pray for our children. She, she was a woman who also prayed for her child, but... Then notice this, Samuel really was the fruit of that prayer, right? And, and who believes here this morning that, that we have a God who's powerful enough, who's kind enough, who's merciful enough, that not only does He give us the opportunity to pray, He has the power to answer prayer. And we believe that this morning? And we see this in the life of Hannah. She prayed and God answered the prayer. And so He was direct, the direct answer to His mother's prayer. And you know, someone once challenged me about this, you know, if, if tomorrow you wake up and you only got the things that you prayed for, would it just be your life that's different or would others' lives be different? And I wonder how different our children's lives would be if we just took seriously this matter of prayer. And, and he was the direct answer. D.L. Moody used to tell a story of a man who came to him and said, when the Mexican war began, I wanted to enlist. My mother, seeing I was resolved and uh, said, if I became a Christian, I could go. She pleaded and prayed that I might become a Christian, but I wouldn't. I said, when the war was over, I would become a Christian, but not till then. So all her pleading was in vain. And at last, when I was going away, she took out a watch and said, my son, your father left this to me when he died. Take it. And I want you to remember that every day at 12 o'clock, your mother will be praying for you. Then she gave me her Bible and marked out passages and put a few different references in the flyleaf. I took the watch and the Bible just because my mother gave them and I never intended to read the Bible. I went off to Mexico on one day while on a long, weary march. I took out my watch and it was 12 o'clock. I had been gone four months, but I remembered that my mother at that hour was praying for me. Something prompted me to ask the officer to uh, to relieve me for a little while. And I stepped behind a tree away out on those plains of Mexico and cried to the God of my mother to save me. And God saved him. And after the Mexican War was ended, He said, I have enlisted again to see if I can do any good for my, for my master's cause. And listen, you don't know the impact that your prayer will make on your child because God does answer prayer. And, and you know, as many times we can pray out of, out of duty, But the Bible tells us to pray believing. You know why? Because God can. And God is able. And listen, how many opportunities have we missed to bear fruit in the life of our children because we've neglected to pray for them that day? And I've always testified this to you. I'm glad for my parents who prayed for me. I'm glad there were many times where I got up and and earlier than usual, I would hear them praying for me. And I want to say also that I had a grandmother who prayed and I had others who prayed. But listen, there was those around me who caused some things in my life because they were just people of prayer. And really, his mother's prayer life led Samuel to being lent to the Lord. Because if you think about this, this, this really stems from, uh, this, stems, this desire stems from a life of prayer. You know why? Because prayer is submission to God. You know, sometimes we think prayer is just asking, and prayer is asking. But many times, prayer is, is discerning and learning and then aligning to the will of God. And many times, here's what we do. We, we would pray some things, and we would pray in, in a sense of desiring some things. But have we ever come to a point where, especially in regard to our children, we've asked God what He wants? You know, many times we have our own desires for our children, don't we? We should, right? We should have some ambition. We should have something that we would desire for our children. But wouldn't it be better to desire what God desires for our children? Wouldn't that be better, church? You know, in our prayers as parents, do we give God the liberty to do with our children what He deems best for them? Many times we deem what's best for our children. And we never never really... come to a place of just surrendering. And, and we see, we're going to see that later on. But this really stemmed from just that, that, that regularity and that reality of prayer in the life of Hannah. And, you know, answered prayers, as we think about that, is, is really the litmus test of a person's prayer life. In John 15, 7, the Bible says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And here this morning, I want to say that God is able, but I wonder if we're aligning ourselves in our prayer to the desires that God has for our children. You know, each and every one of us, and uh, now uh, thinking about my own children, there's certain things I would love for them to accomplish. I-, I would love for them to see out their potential as I see their spiritual gifts, see their talents and all of that. I want them to be able to achieve some things in their lives. But listen, all of that is pairs to an insin- insignificant second to what God would have for them in their lives. And we need to pray for that. And really, that's our, it, it, our desire for our children and God's stated desire needs to be aligned. If so, you will most probably see answered prayer in your life and in your child's life. So the first thing, it's really simple, is prayer. Are you praying? Or did you spend some time this morning praying? Have you spent some time this, this week, this month, this year so far, have you spent some time? Have you increased in your desire to pray? Have you actually increased in your time of prayer? Have you increased in your, in, in your intercession and interceding on behalf of your children? Because prayer, prayer will lead them on the path. Prayer will set them up for a life of fulfilled potential. But then secondly, notice this. Notice verse 27 again. So the first thing is prayer. The next thing is this. Notice it's for this child I prayed. And the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. And notice that word petition. This, this, was a, this wasn't just petition where you're, you're asking. Notice that the Lord hath given me my petition. And here's the word petition. It simply means sustained appeal. It was a sustained appeal. This wasn't just for, just for a fleeting moment. This wasn't whenever she felt like it. No, this was something that she was faithful in. And here's the next thing. Not only was she, uh, do we need prayer if we're going to see a life of fulfillment in our children, we're going to need to have some faithfulness. Faithfulness is the next thing. It's sustained appeal. And, and it reminds us of that great teaching of our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 11, if you could quickly turn there. Luke chapter 11. And notice, uh, notice here uh, a parable He gives in response to the, the disciples' request, teach us to pray. Then He gives them the moral prayer. He gives them how we ought to pray, but then He gives us a, a, a story, a parable to demonstrate how we ought to pray, but the spirit in which we ought to pray. And notice verse 5, and He said, unto them, which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, let, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are nigh in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. So he's saying he's going to answer not because he's his friend. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And you know why? He just kept, he just kept knocking. He just kept knocking. He he just kept he just kept going. And he was just he he was desperate for that thing. And just kept going and going. And listen, so many times we have a, a prayer request. And many, maybe there's an issue, maybe there's something that, that is uh, that is concerning you in regard to your children and you're praying, but I wonder if we're faithful in that. I wonder if we're just constant. I wonder if we're just consistent. Or, or do we just give up after a season? And, and we see here, Hannah just continued. It was a sustained appeal. She said, the Lord hath given me my petition. And we see here demonstrated and taught by our Lord Jesus that we ought to ask again and again and again and again. Say, so have some importunity. And, and Hannah was faithful to pray, but really her faithfulness to pray was really just a, a symptom of, of who she was as a person. She was faithful to the things of God in general. And that's why she was able to be faithful in prayer and, and, and give some petition to the Lord. And, and firstly, she was faithful in her attendance to the things of God. Notice earlier in the chapter, look at verse 7. Notice 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 7. Notice, and he, as he did so year by year. So this is Elkanah, who was uh, Hannah's husband. He did so year by year. They went to the, uh, to the temple to sacrifice and to do all of those things. And she, Notice here, as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, wherefore the, the, she wept and did not eat. So there was an issue. But the, here's what I want you to get about that, that verse. They went year by year. They went consistently. They were faithful in the things of God. They, they, they did what they were supposed to do. And, and she was faithful in her attendance to the things of God. And, and Hannah was in the practice of faithfully attending to the things of God. And she came along with her husband uh, year by year, despite opposition from within her, ho- her own household. The, the problem was there was a, another, uh, another wife there who was uh, holding it uh, above her that she had her child and, and, and Hannah didn't. And, and year by year they went, despite the fact that that really Hannah had some opposition even within her her own household. And how many times do we do we use that as a as a bit of a, a a bit of an excuse not to be faithful to the things of God, because we have home issues. Because some things that we need to deal with. And rather than coming to the. To, to, uh, to prioritize the house of God and the things of God and those things that, order, uh, that, that profit us in, the, in our lives as believers. What do we do? We use that as a way out or as an excuse not to be in faithful attendance and service to God. You know, she came along with her husband despite opposition within her own home. and She came even though she had a burden. Remember, the burden was she was childless. And if you understand the context of, the, of that day, the, just how, how much of a, of, a, of a social judgment that is on a woman, that she could not have a child. And, and yet, be, even with that burden, she went and many times again. Here's what we say. Oh, there's, there's an issue. There's some trouble in my life, and therefore I won't do this. Therefore, I won't be faithful in that. Therefore, I won't be faithful to attend uh, and, and be part of the gathering of believers, that assembly that we're meant to be faithful to. Therefore, I won't do this and I won't do that. But listen, you know, Hannah was able to be faithful in the, the, the summary of her life because she was faithful in these little things. She came despite the burden. And you understand that, 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 that God looks at, at faithfulness first. As a, as, a, as a means for, for His blessing and as a means for our success. And that, 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 doesn't, uh, that doesn't then, that, that, there's no exception when it comes to, to our family and what we ought to be. God still blesses faithfulness. And you think about this uh, in regard to prayer, in regard to the things of God. You think about different characters in the Word of God. You know, Job. Job, who was a, a perfect man who shewed evil in his day, you know what Job did? He faithfully prayed for his children every day. He put up sacrifices. He put up a hedge for him. Remember Enoch? Enoch, who was so moved by the birth of Methuselah, he started to walk with God. He, he was then known for his walk with God and And what I'm saying is faithfulness is a precursor of success in our lives. And our children, listen, our children benefit from our faithfulness this morning. Our children benefit from that. So don't make them your excuse not to be faithful. Now, sometimes we reason out in our own human logic that because we have children now, we can't do so much. Because we have children now, we won't be as faithful as we used to be. And and yet, the thing that will benefit them is your own faithfulness to the things of God. Because you're reinforcing what the priority ought to be. And, and, And God saw that, and God so often sees that in our lives. Look at Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, look at the example of Abraham here. And notice verse 17. Notice the Lord saying here, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And notice what God says, for I know Him. And He knows us. We, we may not know how we are in each other's homes, but He knows us. He says, for I know Him that He will command His children and His household after Him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which He had spoken of him. But, but notice there what He was saying. I'm going to bear fruit in the life of His children they're gonna follow my way because I know Abraham. He's faithful. He, he's gonna command his children. He, he, he's actually gonna follow through with what he says. And and God knew Abraham would be faithful and therefore would also lead his family well. And you know who benefited? His children. His children will then to were then able to then. Follow after the way of the Lord, and and I want to implore you this morning. Not only if we're going to see uh, true uh, f- fulfillment in the lives of our children of their potential, do we need to be to be people of prayer? We need to also be people that are faithful. We need to be faithful. We need to be faithful in the things of God. We need to be faithfully attending to His Word. We need to be faithfully witnessing. We need to be faithfully in the house of God. We need to. Faithfully give. We need to have a consistent example of a believer in our household. And we're only going to do that if we are faithful. And faithful, faithfulness also to intercede and practically bless her family. And this really stems from the fact that she was faithful to the Lord. But if you see chapter 2, go back to First Samuel. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. So even from a little child, he was serving. Notice verse 19. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat. And notice the same phrasing, and brought it to him a little uh, from year to year. So just like she was in the house of God and, and going to, the, to do those sacrificial things year to year, Here she was year to year also blessing him when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And so she was there just faithfully attending to the needs that he had. She wanted to bless her son Samuel by encouraging him, and she did this by being faithful. She did this faithfully. And again, can I just say, don't get this the other way around. Your faithfulness to God will allow you to be faithful in blessing your family. You know, many times we, we just focus on the physical blessing. But can you imagine the emotional and spiritual blessing that would have been to Samuel to see his mom, supporting his call, supporting the thing that he was meant to do? And maybe you're in this situation, parents, and you've got a son, or you've got a daughter who's come to you and they say, God's called me to do something. And maybe it's, uh, maybe it's in a specific career that they've, they just prayed for, they know, but maybe in the case of ministry. Can I just encourage you to faithfully encourage that? Church, to this morning, can you encourage that? Can you be faithful in that? Because you want that to, you want to understand that that they're going to be directed by you in that. And so, faithfulness. So, we said prayer, we said faithfulness, but then last one is surrender. Surrender. Again, look at verse 28, 1 Samuel 1, 28. Notice there, therefore also I have lent him, lent him to the Lord. This was a, really a direct fulfillment of her promise. Look at verse 11. So, so skip back a few verses to verse 11. And notice this as she was praying. Notice this, and she vowed a vow, so she made a promise. And said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And notice this, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And, and so from the outset, outset, Hannah made a promise that he was going to be set apart for God's use. The, that term, there no razor upon his head, it speaks about the vow of the Nazarite. We know another famous character in the Bible who, who, who had that vow it was Samson, right? Samson also made that vow that, that he would not put a razor upon his head. He will not drink of the, the vine he will, or, or the fruit of it. He will not touch a dead thing. And all of those is, is part of the vow of the Nazarite. And what that meant was they were meant to be set apart for a specific use. They were meant to be set apart for, for a certain thing that, that God was going to call them to do. And again, this was uh, really a, a, a picture of surrender. This was Hannah surrendering her ambition for her child. This was Hannah surrendering all those those desires that she had. And and, and surrender is really us giving over control of our lives. You know, sometimes we forget that we are limited. In fact, we don't even know what tomorrow holds. In fact, God doesn't even guarantee it. And and yet so many times we we just want to have control of our own lives. And yet we have a God, our God, who's unlimited, who knows tomorrow, who knows what tomorrow will bring, who, who in His sovereignty and His power and His foreknowledge knows all things. And yet, you know, we, we try to set the agenda and the tone. And, and if we're going to truly see Our children live a life of fulfillment to their potential. We're going to have to surrender them. But, you know, to do that, we're going to be, firstly, we need to be surrendered ourselves. That's why the Apostle Paul said he's going to die daily. We need to die to our own ambition. We need to die to our own desires. And so many times, we allow other things and other influences to tell us what what we ought to desire. What we ought to plan for. And, and those things aren't necessarily wrong. We just should always check and we should always surrender that over to what God's desire is for our lives. It's surrender. And, and really, surrender is the last thing as we, as we think about this. Hannah set Samuel apart even prior to birth. Again, before his birth, she already vowed. She already said, I'm going to surrender him for your usage. There were to be set apart from other purpose and, and only for God's specific use and already vowed that vow of the Nazarite for him. and This was an acknowledgment that Samuel was God's more than he was Hannah's. You know, sometimes we, we like to say, you know, we're just, a, we're just a steward of our children. You know, we, all, we, we can say that sort of with our mind, but do we believe it with our heart? Do we believe it with our heart this morning, church? Is our children ours or is, is, are they God's first? They're God's. And I know for some of you, you that, that actually really breaks your heart. But maybe our hearts need to be broken this morning. Maybe we need to understand again that, you know, we have all of these things that we want to plan out, but if they're not in line with God's, then ours don't count. You see, the Bible tells us in Psalm 127, verse 3, "Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. They are His heritage. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. And again, this was a recognition for Hannah of ownership and calling. She understood that that, that this child, as, as precious as He was, was was not, but wasn't hers. He, he, was, he was God's. It's like Jeremiah when he said in one verse five Jeremiah one five behold, I formed thee in the belly. this is God speaking to him, and I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a, a prophet unto the nations and you know the amazing thing about God is he knows us as He's formed us. He knows us. See God knows our children, but guess what? you know we have to grow. you know um, one of the things that 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 really struck out to me the most. That stuck out to me the most as I'm learning to parent, and, and I, I'm saying this because I'm on this journey too. I, I've got to surrender too. I've got to surrender my children. I've got to give them over for for the Lord's use. But one of the things that's that that I, I'm starting to understand is this: I've got to I've got to grow in my relationship with my children. I have to get to know them. I have to I have to get to know their quirks. I have to get to know their spiritual gifts, their talents, their ability. I have to start to start to discern what what they're going to be. But you know what? Um, the comfort for me is this. I'm getting to know them, but there's someone who already knows them. And so if I'm going to be right on, this, on the same page, I better have a relationship and a closeness with my, my, my Savior, my God. Because it's Him. He's the only one that's going to be able to help me lead and direct my children the way I ought to. Not my parents. Not anyone else. I could ask for counsel. I could ask for advice. But I must walk with God. And I must be surrendered to God myself. You know why? Because He knows them and I'm only trying to get to know them. I- I've got to walk with them. I've got a journey with them. I- I've got to teach them. I've got to guide them. But I can only do that if I'm surrendered also. And in the process, we must understand that God has called them to be and God has called them to do, and this requires surrender. But really, as a result, it results in fulfillment. And what Hannah did, Hannah set Samuel on a path for his life. See, she brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. We didn't read that verse there. You can see it in verse 24. And her surrender was a momentum Samuel needed to fulfill his call. You know, we, we didn't read the verse, but the following verse in, in, in Psalm 127, verse 4, you might be familiar with it, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. You know, um, an archer gives a momentum, but it also gives a direction. It gives a direction, and... and as, he, as, as he's shaped and he's, he's worked on that arrow to fly true, he still has to aim it. Right? He still has to aim it. And, and you know, many times we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't come to the Lord for where we we're meant to aim. We just aim haphazardly. I don't know about you. My children are so precious, I don't want to guess. I want them to hit their target. I want it to count. Many times, here's where we're caught. We're guessing. And yet, they're the Lord's heritage. They're meant to be arrows in our hands. And I wonder if today, just, you would just take the time to consider that. See, part of the momentum Hannah gave Samuel was to expose him to a place of service, was to expose him to an example of service. And I wonder if we allow more of God or more of the world in our children. You see, Jesus was set on a path. Remember Jesus' first words, Luke 2, 49, Wist ye not that I must be about my Father's business? He understood. He understood that His heavenly Father had a path for Him to walk, had a mission for Him to accomplish, had a business for Him to do. In John 9, 4, I must work the works of Him that sent me. And, and part of that process for the Lord Jesus Himself was, was a surrender to the calling of God upon His life. In, in Luke twenty two forty two, 42, He says, Just before the crucifixion, If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And, and we see that, that as Jesus surrendered to the, to the momentum and to the path that His heavenly Father gave Him, it, it ended with His glory and it ended with His name being the name that we call out for salvation. You see, in Philippians 2.10, verse 11, the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so there was even in the Lord Jesus' life, surrender and i wonder if you're here this morning i wonder if we would surrender you know it we all we all would want our children to live fulfilled successful but but fulfilled in the in the will of god kind of lives right church we would all want that right we want that for our children you know as we put events like this 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 week, they're going to have a great time. They're going to have fun. You know, children like to have fun. But most of all, we want to give them some truth that might help direct, that might help give them some momentum, and we want to partner with you. But listen, parents, it's you. You have that. You have that privilege. And church, by extension, we have that privilege to be a help and a blessing that way. And I wonder, parents, I wonder, how's your prayer life? I wonder, as parents, do you pray for your children? Are you, are you faithful? Are you faithful in that? But is that, is that really just a symptom of a faithful life? And then are you surrendered yourself so that you can help your children be surrendered in their life when it's their turn to make that choice? I wonder if you're, you're directing that arrow like you ought. And I I hope and pray that as we head into this week and and maybe even in this morning, we would take some time and we would just just give God that opportunity to help us direct, to help us give momentum, maybe get back to a prayer life, maybe get back to faithfulness and, and very much so get back to surrender. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. And we just want to thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be able to Lord, to learn, to look into the stories of those that have lived before us that you've highlighted for us in, in history. Lord, to, to glean and to learn. And, and Father, I'm thankful again for the, the, the many times. Lord, you've uh, just reminded me. Lord of the great responsibility I have as a as a dad, and Father, I pray that You'd help help me, dear God, to just Lord display and then also just have a reality of these in my lives, in my life. And I pray, dear God, that for every parent, for, for and then really in general for our church, that we would just um, understand the great responsibility and the great stewardship that we have of our children. We're every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the piano can begin to play. Let's take the time this morning to respond to the Word of God. Maybe you're here this morning, and I want to ask you firstly, if you're here this morning, can I ask you this question? Have you been saved? Has there been a time where you've accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? If you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home? Is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor, that's... That's a tough question, but if I was to be honest, I wouldn't know. And I wouldn't know how to even answer that. Is there anyone here, just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Just pray for me. I'd like to know. Is there anyone here this morning, just with an uplifted hand, say, Pastor, pray for me? See that hand? Anyone else? I'm talking to everyone right now. All right, good, I see those hands there. Thank you, you can put them down. Then church, I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you parents firstly. Would you take the lead this morning? Would you just take some time to, to perhaps confess some things, maybe a lack of prayer, maybe a lack of faithfulness, maybe a lack of surrender? But then would you, would you pray for your family this morning? If you're here this morning and you say, I'm a parent, pastor, Lord, touch my heart, the Lord spoke to me this morning. Pray for me this week. Pray for me this week. Anyone here this morning? I'm a parent. The Lord touched my hand. Is there anyone else? I see some hands. Anyone else? I see some hands there. Thank you. All right, let's all stand to our feet. If you raise your hand, in fact, if you're a parent, why don't you come? Why don't you, why don't you do business with the Lord? Why don't you just pray for, pray for your family this morning? Why don't you just take some time? Why don't you just surrender them once again? Why don't you surrender yourself? Maybe... You've got grown children and they're making decisions. Maybe they've got their own families. Why don't you come and pray for them? Why don't you come and just just ask the Lord that they would be guided? Maybe you've got your children here. You want to take some time to pray with them. Whatever it is, why don't you do business with the Lord this morning? Maybe you're, you're here. You're going to be part of the HBC. and. Uh, for for the families of our church, maybe for those children that will attend. Whatever it is, the, the Lord use you this morning. Lord, work with you.